0: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our give online page to choose the best giving
1: method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Both Mark Ham and Kevin Ikeda, they are a part of the board of directors of Giving Light for. Did you say seven years is what? That's how long it's been. And what is so amazing? We're this tiny uh, church in the country, and uh, they function as high level consultants. Kevin has his own uh, consulting, IT consulting f- firm with um, governmental contracts. They have a lot of impact. Mark is called a solutions architect. Isn't that awesome? And that a great title. And um, so that puts a lot of pressure on you to provide solutions, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, we lean on those uh, them on, for their expertise, their knowledge, and for us to have such quality individuals that help us to uh, govern all the practical areas, who also have such a heart to advance the kingdom it 's such an honor we love you, and I wanted people who did not know you to be able to meet you. We love you, and with that said, Kevin, you can come on up here, but Kevin, yeah don 't we love him <laughs> he, Kevin and I have been around each other for you tell me years you 're better at
0: memory fifteen years
1: fifteen years and um We, he has, um, when I met him he was an executive in a multi-billion dollar company and I brought some leadership training and he came up to me and he said Melody could you do this in the marketplace and I go yeah I do this and so long story short I got to go into that that was my first big break into a multi-billion dollar company thank you Kevin and um and then when people would say oh you went there oh you must be good (laughs) so he opened up a lot of doors for me but we've just become friends and it's not about what we do in the marketplace it's what we do in the kingdom of God which advances the marketplace and when you have a kingdom mindset and you take that mindset into what you do we have the ability to change culture and impact lives and this is what this man carries now he has his own consulting company and um, when it comes to those that are under his employee, under those that work with him, he has a heart for them. Not just what they bring to the table, even though that is a must if you're into IT, but he cares about them as individuals. And so I really celebrate him. I know his character. I know his integrity. And I know his heart to advance the kingdom. And so we welcome you, and we love you, Kevin.
0: Thank you so much. You know, uh, wow! Um, I have a lot to be thankful for. Um, in fact, Pastor Joel spoke last week on being thankful, right? So, um, can can I start? Is it okay if I start with being thankful? So, uh, I am thankful. You know, Dr. Melody is so humble. Um, I, I, you know, Apostle Steve and, and Melody came into our my wife and I's lives in 2006, and um, she, like she said, she taught the leadership class. Well, um, you know, there's been a lot that's transpired from 2006 to 2021. Um, not only did Dr. Melody come and sew into my organization, right at that other company. Um, and she, I figured out is about seven times that she came and taught, um, my leadership team, um, on leadership. Um, I've, you know, read Dr. Melody's books. I've been in part of her training and the training that she gave to my staff. I was a student in those classes as well. Um, Much of what I learned about leadership, I learned from Dr. Melody. Apostle Steve, um, one of the first times we came down or we met, he drove the ITC team down to Virginia. And um, I was, that was my first training. In fact, I was paired up with Apostle Steve Um, In the, um, what's the prophetic training? What's it? Yeah, the prophetic training. Um, And I still remember the word that the Lord gave me. I thought, oh, Lord, give me a good word for Russell Stevens. I'm shaking in my boots, right? But I remember the word, and he resonated. He gave me good confirmation back. So, thank you, Lord. Um, But also, you know, my kids... Both biological kids, my wife and I have two kids, um, but we also raised up uh, a bunch of youth through the years. And um, our our youth had come up to various youth events here, empowering the extreme. In fact, um, a lot of the youth in that group, including my own daughter, um, were baptized in the Holy Spirit here in a baptismal right outside there right so there's a lot of history and I am so thankful you know thank you to the worship team man the presence of God yeah can we give a hand to the worship team man you guys are just getting so good at at just opening a portal to heaven I just could feel the presence of the Lord it was so good um Anyway, so, um, but, (laughs) thanks. And the most powerful, profound, prophetic word that I ever received so far in my 60 years of life was right here in this sanctuary from Dr. Sharon Stone in 2013. Changed my life, right? There was so much identity. So, um, you know, I had spent so much of my time in life performing, Right? Trying to live life out of the talents that God had given me. And I missed so much when I did that. Um, And actually, this isn't even my message, but I just wanted to share this. Because Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians about the thorn in his flesh, Jesus responded back and said, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he went on to say, my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I realized that the revelation was when I operate in my strength, the world gets me and everything that God packaged inside of me. But when I operate and stretch outside of my comfort zone and then start operating in the place of my weakness, the world gets God. I was just so humbled by Joel's and the worship teams leading us into the throne room this morning because that's been a major revelation that the Lord has revealed. So let's pray. Father God. Wow. Jesus, thank you. For emptying the treasures treasuries of heaven to purchase us back. Thank you, Lord, for the stripes that you endured, for all that you bore on your shoulders so that we could be reconnected and reunited with the Father. Father, we just come into your presence. Let's just reminded about what David wrote. One thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of his countenance. Holy Spirit, come, fill our hearts. We just open ourselves up right now. Come, Lord, dwell, reveal, empower in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So um, I was blessed by Pastor Joel's message last week. Um, I don't know if this was his key point, but the key scripture that I got out of it was 1 Thessalonians when he said, um, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow. Pray. It's, it, you know, hey, I could do each one of these things. It doesn't take, you know, any talent. To, it's no, right? For the prerequisites are kind of the entrance bars. Like, like, even I can go into it. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And wow, already we're in the will of God, right? <laughs> I love what Joel said when he, Pastor Joel said when he said he taught, on how to become a thankful person because most scripture focuses on God's will for us to become rather than what to do, right? God is more interested in who we are in him than what we do for him, right? Yeah, and my wife, as my wife likes to say, if we focus too much on doing before being, we just make a lot of do-do. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's right, that's Connie. Maybe. So um I really feel empowered today and and to carry this message to talk about the church, capital C church. Uh oh. Whoops, where are we? Can you go back to the beginning? at home maybe so um, first slide slide, okay Uh, can you go to the next slide yep okay that's you the next one is Ecclesia yes yeah there we go okay so Jesus talked about and and Pastor Joel had us dwelling on the rock right and Jesus said on this rock I will build my church well, the Greek word to use is ekklesia, So we're going to go into that. Um, so I want to tell this story. So three guys were playing golf. <laughs> Moses, Jesus, and an old man. Par three, water hazard right in the middle. So Moses steps up, addresses the ball, takes a backswing, and he swings, and he tops it. The ball goes scurrying along the ground, right? The ball's supposed to be going up in the air, but Moses topped in, is going scurrying along the ground. He lifts up his arms. The water hazard parts. The ball goes through on dry ground, rolls right up on the green, and in the hole. Hole in one. Jesus steps up. Perfect backswing, perfect swing, perfect trajectory not even hitting the ground, goes straight in the hole. Perfect shot, hole in one. The old man steps up, takes a swing. The ball goes careening off to the side. Bounces, ricochets off a rock. Goes, bounces forward, goes off the cart path, bounces off the cart path, hits a tree limb, heads toward the green, rolls and careening off the back of the green, but it hits an acorn and goes in the hole. Hole in one. Jesus turns to the old man and says, nice shot, Dad. So, (laughs) see, here's the thing. What looks like it's heading way off course, even in the completely wrong direction, how about it? God turns all things together for our good, both individually and corporately. Amen? So what's going on in the world? I was, I was asking the Lord, <laughs> so how many people think uh, the world's in trouble? <laughs> yeah? And I was asking the Lord, you know, Lord, I'm getting really, so, I, you know, my wife and I, we live in a suburb of Washington, D.C., so we're right there next to the thick of things, and, right, there's a couple of times it was getting a little, so uh, I was asking the Lord in prayer time, hey, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord said two things. The first thing he said was, ecclesia. So can you go, can, this isn't working. I don't know why. Oh, there we go. Okay. Thank you, sir. So um, did I jump? Sorry. I'll just stay away. <laughs> I'll, I'll. Can I do it now? Oh, yeah. No, it's not working. I need to go back. Okay, anyway. Um, Hebrews, so the first first thing he said was Hebrews chapter 12. So in Hebrews, it says, reading from the Passion Translation, Once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, God is shaking the systems of this world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm." So, how many know it's a good thing when God shakes? It's a good thing that God, whatever God does, right? It's always for our good. But how many also agree that, man, when God is shaking, it's not comfortable, right? So, we need wisdom and discernment in times, this time. So, why does God shake anything, right? It's kind of like a rug. When you go, right, go take it outside, you shake it. Why? Because you want to get that which is you know, unshakable to stay and that which is shakable to get off. So he's, he's get, taking us through. So what are some of the things that are unshakable? Well, it's definitely the word of God and our faith. God is growing our faith. He's strengthening our faith through this time and season. The second thing the Lord said is in the next one is from the parable of the prodigal son. And he highlighted this one thing verse in the middle of the whole parable, Luke 15, 14. With everything spent and nothing left, he, he, the prodigal son, grew hungry because there was a severe famine in that land. So how many know, right, so this is what led the prodigal son to come to the end of himself and repent and go back to his father. So look what's going on. We have God manifesting consequences with everything spent and nothing left. This is the result of the prodigal's own decisions. He has nothing left, right? And he's hungry because he has no money to buy food, but also, look at, there's consequences which are beyond the prodigal's control, right? Which are there's a severe famine in the land. So God uses consequences of our decisions plus external circumstances to bring us to the end of ourself. So like the prodigal, God is showing us areas to errant decisions we've made to repent for, to erase, right, the consequences, bring us to the end of ourselves. And he's bringing circumstances. And man, all this shaking are definitely (laughs) circumstances. Another time in prayer time, right, the next slide was, I was asking the Lord, Lord, the objective of life can't be to just get saved and go to heaven. That can't just be the objective of life, the primary mission, right, of, of life. Why? Because when I gave my life to the Lord, if the mission was to get to heaven, then I should have just died right then and there and gone to heaven. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> Why? Right? And I think it's because we have purpose. There's something, there's a job to, to do. God wants us to accomplish. And really, it's to prepare earth for his return, right? And we all have our little role. Nice job playing today. That was great. Thank you. Um, we all have our little role to play in preparing the earth for his return. So in, Bishop Hammond asks the question, how many people believe Jesus can do anything he wants to do? How many How many believe? Okay. And, and how many people believe Jesus wants to come back? Right? So if he wants to come back and he can do anything he wants to do, why isn't he back? Right? So the answer is is in Acts 3 20 and 21. He will again, the Father, send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he, Jesus, here's the key Jesus must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. This word, restoration, apokatastasis. I'm not Apostle Steve, <laughs> so I'm not the biblical song, but it infers restoring creation to its original state, pre-fall, pre-Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, fall. And it, get this, in the Passion Translation, the footnote says, Luke's choice of this Greek word, it's the only time this Greek word is used in all of the New Testament. And it's Luke, the physician. It's a medical term, and it means restoration of perfect health. Wow. wow. So how much do we want perfect health right now in this COVID season? Yeah. Right? So to all of you who have, have are battling that right now, there you go. So. Jesus won't come back until enough of creation on earth transforms into its pre-fall condition. And that's a big job. That is a big job. How many believe that's even possible, right? But nothing is impossible for God, right? So let's take a look at another concept. How is Jesus going to accomplish this transformation? So Peter just declares Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus calls Simon Peter blessed, calls him Peter the rock, right? Which Pastor Joel just had us worship on. He's our cornerstone. And then Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my, the English word is church. Right? And in over 50 of the English translations, it's translated as the word church. But did you know that King James, when he commissioned the the translation into English of the King James Bible back in the day, a couple years ago, (laughs) King James gave, and you can Google this, 15 rules to govern the translation into English. Rule number three was. The word for ekklesia, the Greek word, shall be translated into the English word church. Because King James controlled the church. But here's the truth. Here's the reality. The Greek word ekklesia, check this out. Jesus did not say, on this rock, I will build my synagogue. He didn't use the Hebrew or Greek word for synagogue. He didn't say temple, right, the temple in Jerusalem, he didn't use, in fact, a religious word at all. The Greek word ekklesia is, in the time, was a political word, like Congress or Senate. It was a governmental word. So check, wow. So Jesus is saying, on this rock, I will build my ekklesia. Ekklesia means a legislative assembly, to transform the culture of the city into that of its conquering king. So, whoa. So Jesus is calling us to be his ecclesia. He's the one who's building it, right? Uh, I just, I jumped ahead, sorry. Um, So there's two key points, right? Who does the building of the ecclesia, us or Jesus? Jesus, right? And the other point is, What is Jesus building out of us? It's a governing group to transform our culture into that of Him. Right? Does that make sense? Right, tracking? Okay. All right. So Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Why does so commissioning is this empowering enablement that that like officers in the army, right, are commissioned, or the military are commissioned right, to do a job and to fulfill a purpose. Jesus gave us a commission in Matthew 28, right before he ascended, right? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So clearly, the objective is nations, right, nations, Could our nation use a little discipling right now? Maybe a lot of discipling. So a disciple is one who becomes a pupil, a follower of the teacher. So Jesus is the teacher, right, that we're to follow. So who's the follower? Right, us, but let's take that one step further. Really, the follower is the nations. So check this out. Jesus wants not just followers in the nation. He wants followers of the nation itself. So getting people saved is an interim step to accomplishing our full commission, but getting the nation to become a follower of Jesus is the end state that he wants us to achieve. Right? That's a big job, right? In Psalm 2.8, the Lord says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. He wants to give the nations to us from Jesus. So um, we have to get the individual saved. But in order to make disciples of all nations, we certainly have to make disciples in all nations. All nations, right? How does a nation become a disciple? What does that even look like? Well, what does it mean for an individual to become a disciple? It means a follower of Jesus. So it means the nation itself has to become a follower of Jesus. So how does that happen? What does that look like? It looks like when the leadership of the nation, in the government sector, the business sector, the education sector, when those sectors all start leading their respective parts of the culture in hearing God and doing what he says. It's a big job. So Jesus is building his ecclesia out of us and he's commissioned us to disciple the nations. So the Greek word for nations is ethnos. Ethnos, ethnos means nations, but at its very core ethnos means people groups, mm-hmm. right? Groups of people. So, what's the Lord saying? Discipling a nation starts with us discipling our people groups. My extended my family and extended family my workplace, my office, my class, my church, my team, my organization. When we start discipling our people groups that God has planted us in. So as we steward the people closest to us, the Lord will start to expand our territories, right? Yeah. All right. So this next one, i got an illustration. There's two people in here. Person number one is riding in the cart. The, that person will end up wherever the cart ends up. That person has no de- ability to determine where that cart will end up, what direction it's going, and where it's going to end up. Person number two is pulling the cart. That person determines where it goes. So, an ecclesia is a legislative assembly, a governing group, right? So, which position looks more like an ecclesia position, right? Certainly number two, right? But why? Because person number two is governing, is determining the outcome or the destination or the direction of where that card is going. So I was, for most of my professional career, I was a Christian and I went and did my job. I went into the office, sat down, did my job, and went home. I was a Christian doing a job. That's not an ecclesia. But then I decided to surrender to God, to take time, to to take and make time to listen for his voice and to his voice and to release the revelations into my job. So now I'm starting to pull the cart. So let me tell a little story. Um... So in the federal government business, you win the contract by submitting a proposal that the government deems, oh, this is the solution that we want for the price that you're proposing. And to, in order to come up with a great proposal, so Mark does that for a living. That's his full-time job. He design, as a solution architect, he designs the technical solutions. So we had this particular customer. Um, it was the Army you know, Human Resources Command down in Fort Knox, and... Um, there was this problem. So, um, but before that, I even started working that job. I was just praying, and one of the things I learned was, when we are anointed, Jesus is anointed, right? The whole lamp in the tabernacle, right, is with all of its, you know, seven lamps, and the oil is Jesus, and the sixty-six things are, the, are um, on the lampstand are all the sixty-six books. He's the Word. Right, it's all Jesus. So He's the anointed one. So He anoints us, and with our anointing, we can anoint um, things, just like Paul's handkerchief was anointed, right? So I'm praying, you know, and playing an anointing upon my keyboard and my computer and my display, right? The, and um, you know, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself. So I did a lot of praying in tongues as well. So we get into this meeting and on this call, there are you know the, the vice president is on the senior vice president is on all these top brass are on and no one can figure out how to answer this question but then all of a sudden god showed up released this answer i spoke those words over the phone and everybody went ah oh, that's it See, that's, God wants to, God has all the solutions already in heaven, and he wants us to live from heaven to earth. We're the conduits from which his solutions find their way to earth. And when we pray, so, you know, whatever the job is, you can pray and anoint your tools, your vehicles, your, right, your devices, and pray and invite the Lord in and ask the Lord to reveal to you Right, his revelations from heaven, so that we can hear him and do what he says. And that's part of becoming the ecclesia at work. Why? Because when God placed Adam in the garden, he said, he used the word, to, so he placed him in to work the garden. Well, the Hebrew word work is avad, and that word means to work, and it also means to worship. So God wants us to use our marketplace jobs as a way to express our worship to him. We have wonderful, you guys are blessed with a very anointed team to lead you musically into worship. But you also, did you know that, you know, your work, your day job is an opportunity to release one of the greatest expressions of worship is through our work. So, we want to be person number two, right? Okay. So, um, if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, how does Jesus, what's the mechanism he's going to do and accomplish this transformation? How is Jesus going to transform the culture of this world into the culture of heaven? Right? It's a big deal. Well, he gave the strategy for the greatest spiritual atmospheric shift that ever occurred in the Gospels, happened in Luke 10. So here's Jesus' strategy. Ooh. So. Luke 10 starts in verse one. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. After this... The Lord Jesus formed 35 teams among the other disciples. So check this out before we begin. So Luke 9 talks about the famous apostles, Peter, James, John, the 12, right? But Luke 10 starts off and says, the other disciples, right? So this is not the superstar apostles. This is us, <laughs> right? right? The re- regular, regular people, right? So uh, each team was two disciples, 70 in all, and he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town where he was about to visit. So my point here is remember that this transformation that's going to happen is not going to be led by the Bill Johnsons and the Cindy Jacobs, right, and the Randy Clarks of the world. It's going to be led by us, the grassroots, Okay. Note that Jesus sends two teams, or teams of two, sorry, seven thirty-five teams, into the towns ahead of him to prepare the way. Well, we just read in Acts 3.21, what's the way? He must remain in heaven until the times of restoration or transformation are complete. So what's preparing the way for his return? So these guys prepared the way while he was here on earth for his ministry. We are to prepare his way For his return. All right, we're going to skip ahead now to verse 17. Let's go to the end of this little story here and see how this whole thing ends. Right? So, when the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. So, check it out. Well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me keep going. Verse 18 Jesus replied, While you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. There it is. The greatest spiritual atmosphere change happened when Satan was taken down. Right? Satan, the commander of the dark army that's resisting God himself, The commander, the one in charge, fell. The greatest spiritual atmosphere change in all of the Gospels is right there. What caused this change? Let's take a look. So let's back up to verse 5 where Jesus starts giving the instructions to the other disciples. The regular people, boots on the ground, us. He said, once you enter a house, speak to the people there and say... God's blessing of peace be upon this house. He says a couple other things, but let's go on to verse 8, because here's the rest of the instructions. When you enter into a new town, and you have been welcomed by its people, follow these rules. Eat what has served you, heal the sick, and tell them all God's kingdom has arrived and is now within your reach. So here it is. Here's the four-step strategy. Peace, eat, heal, tell. Notice, the first thing the 70 came back and said to Jesus was, yeah, Oh, Lord, even the demons bow to us. So wait a minute. I don't hear a single instruction in those instructions about dealing with demons at all. Right? What is it all? These instructions are how to build connections with the people. Yes. Brianna, love what you're doing. The, uh, you know, support Rihanna's ministries right, and outreach because what's happening is God is creating a, a, uh, a, a network of connections between Giving Light and the local community. God is building these opportunities for you to release him and shift the spiritual atmosphere of this local area. Yes. And it's going to happen as, as that ministry builds and grows. Okay, so the first thing Jesus said in verse 5 was, when you enter, speak a blessing of peace. So Jesus earlier said, when two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them, right? He's here. Whenever two or three gather, right? So that's why he said teams of two. And here the powerful pairs are prayer walking their territory, releasing God's blessing of peace or walk in peace. I would just release your peace, the peace of Jesus that passes all understanding, right? They're releasing peace. Why? Because peace is a powerfully strategic, a strategic, powerful weapon. Why? Romans, Romans 16 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Peace crushes Satan under our feet. It is, it's like when we start a war, we send the air in first. Peace is the air war, right? (laughs) Um, Next is, he says, eat. So eating is breaking bread together, fellowshipping, developing relational equity, right? It's building a relationship. So what's happening, right? So Katie was testifying yesterday in the board meeting that As giving light starts to interface with others in the community, what's happening? People are starting to say, oh, I didn't know that's who you were. I didn't know that's what you did. I didn't know about you, right? They may have heard rumors or some other things and developed some other impressions of giving light. But when you actually interface, they get to witness the actions that speak louder than words, So, building bridges with people in the community. And also, you know, the other thing. So, um, the community garden, right? I loved reading how, um, reading the list of these are all the people participating, but, and starting to see is it other churches that are participating in the. So, yeah, look at this. God is not just building a network uh, for you to have contact with, but it's also building a network for you to synergize with. I just love what's going on. So, the the Valley Lighthouse, the volunteer drivers, the hunger and and homeless awareness events. Love. Right, The newsletter that Brown had just put out last week. OK, and the last oh, not last. The third step is heal. Heal really is minister to the needs of the community. In some cases, people are sick and they need to be healed, right? So Jesus said, "If you don't believe my words, believe my works. healed." But sometimes it's taking a meal. Right, all your bless you guys for the giving that you did for the Thanksgiving meals, for the pack and pray, right? For the um, ring ring the bell that Katie just right was recruiting for, right? Um, Toys for Tots, the food drive, right? You're helping minister to the needs in the local community, right? And even I can do that, right? Even I can help with ringing the bell. It Doesn't take you know major qualifications. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah, and a smile, right? Then, as their knees are met, people become more interested in starting to learn more about the God whom you serve right. and the love that you manifest. People are in, right, inquisitive now. Wait now, hey, tell me, tell me about this God, right? So they kind of build relation. you build a relational integrity, you build trust, equity, Right, and now they can express their needs to you. Um, So, in the in the consulting business, we get requests by our prime contractor to hire people to fill certain slots, and as the requirements progress, it the the candidate pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, one of these requests we got a couple weeks ago had six very difficult requirements. And as each requirement is layered on top of the other one, the aperture through which candidates can fit gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And finally, it was so tiny that I thought, and I frankly, I didn't have the faith to believe. And I just said, Lord, I'm just going to put this in your hands. A couple days later... The recruiter calls and says, well, I got a candidate, but they're extremely expensive. So I looked at the resume and thought, oh my gosh, they just found the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> they just found the unicorn. This impossible to find, these requirements layered on top of each other were so restrictive that, right, so we found the unicorn, made it, right, and... Um, I talked with the the prime and said you know this guy's a little expensive but he's the perfect candidate. fits all the all six of your requirements and uh they did some investigating and they, they talked with him and they liked him and they figured out a way in the contract to pay this person's high salary um and dr melody going to talk me interview him next week right next week yeah. you guys agreed next week it's soon Doc, um so Dr. Melly um, is right in our core value index um, personality profile, right? And she she taught me that the more people know about themselves, the better decisions they'll make. So um, if I can pay for her services to help them understand more about themselves, right, that's part of being the ecclesia, right? Is is manifesting and helping the, each individual know themselves, right, and meet their own needs. Okay, let's keep going. So Jesus, let's go, so in verse 19. So the 70 have returned. Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning as the other disciples were ministering. Now the Lord is going to explain to them what just happened. So Jesus says to the other disciples, now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon a couple of the demons? No. Every yes. every single demon Amen. you will trample on yes. and overcome a little bit of the enemy's power? No. Every power the demons the, the Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will harm you as you walk in this authority. Right? The purpose the Son of God was made manifest was this, was to destroy the works of the devil, right? First John, right? We are manifesting him. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. So they come back, and they're totally excited. And the first thing they say is, the demons are obeying us, and we're really excited about that. And Jesus is saying, that's cool, but that's not the deal. (laughs) The deal is that your names are written. Now notice, the journals of heaven, right? Dr. Brian Simmons, the lead translator for the Passion Translation, he used the phrase, the journals of heaven, not the Lamb's Book of Life. Why? So um, I did a little word study, the six times that the book of life are mentioned in, the, in Revelation. Um, every time it uses grapho, written, biblio, book, and zoe, life. In this particular case, it's grapho, written, and the Greek word is an Uranus, which is heaven. It's, the, the book is not there in the, in the phrase, and zoe, the life word, is not there. So I think it's safe to say this is not the Lamb's book of life. So then what is it? So when the seven sons of Sceva were trying to perform deliverance, the demon rose up and said, what? Do you remember the story? The demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, they're saying, hey, I'm looking at the, the the demons are looking at the journals of heaven just like the angels are looking at the journals of heaven. And they're saying, I see no entries of the seven sons of Sceva here. You have no authority. Bang. Strip you out, run your flea bloodied and naked going out, right? What the Lord wants to do is take you through concentric circles. That as you you minister to your local community, oh, there's a giving light, entry, journal of heaven giving light, just donated this, right? These turkeys, this pack and pray stuff, giving like a compliment, right? This community garden, this, 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 entry, 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 entry. And now what happens is the demons are starting looking at us like, whoa, uh-oh. Hey, devil, we better do something. Because these guys, right? The point is, Jesus is saying, you are advancing in authority and the use of your authority. And as you, as you advance, get excited about that because that's your source of authority. Make sense? Okay. Um, last thing, verse 21. Then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's joy, exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, those who have shared it with, and you have shared it with these who humbled themselves. Here is the deal. The qualification to operate in God's authority is humility. And every single one of us has that opportunity and qualification. Every single one of us. That's why, right, it, it wasn't the marquee apostles that shifted the atmosphere. It was us, the grassroots, shifting the atmosphere. Because it's not about us. It's all about him. So if you, did, if you take a look at the whole entire gospel of Luke, you'll notice that from chap- Luke chapters 1 to 9, Jesus is struggling, even with his own disciples. They can't cast out a demon, right? There's, you know, winds and waves. You got, you know, all kinds of struggles. But after this atmospheric shift, it's now smooth sailing. The authorities went from trying to accuse him in public to being afraid of him in public. There was an atmospheric shift, right? And, and it's, it's, there's a demarcation in Luke 10. So it's all through the four-step strategy. Peace, fellowship, minister. And the last one is, then tell. When they ask you, why are you doing this? What motivates you to, to do all this that you're doing for us? Now there's the open door to share with them how Jesus did for you. Right? All right, last couple of things here. Just to close. Um, Luke 19.10, 10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost, not just who. We got a lot of messed up stuff going on in Washington, D.C., right? But God is interested in fixing even the systems of the world, that which was saved. Um, Romans 8.19 and then I memorized it slightly different than this, but all of creation eagerly awaits the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. All of creation. My wife and I were having a time of worship one morning, and the birds just felt like they— all this whole— these birds just congregated on the trees right outside our front window. All of creation is waiting for us to bring jesus transformation as his ecclesia to the earth. all of creation, the animals, the birds, the fish. All right, I remember hearing the testimony of a revival that broke out in, in Colombia, South America, and um, you know the, the prison was completely empty, but the fruit was twice and three times the size of what we normally are accustomed to seeing, because the land was healed. So Jesus is waiting and closing. Jesus is waiting for enough of the earth to be transformed into its pre-fall condition. He's waiting for us. Jesus, transformational agent, is his ecclesia that he's building but he's commissioned us, right, to be the transformational agent. And he's given us this four-step strategy of how to start by shifting the spiritual atmosphere over our local communities. And we manifest transformation as we hear his voice and do what he says. Father, I thank you for the the wisdom of your strategies and your plans. I thank you, Lord, for the greatness of who you are and the authority that you have released and delegated to us to manifest here on earth. Lord, I pray that the fullness of your revelations be absorbed and comprehended into the very depths of our spirit, souls, and bodies, that we may become your transformational ecclesia. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you. Wow, was that good? Okay, man. Thank you. Okay. If you have a job out in the world, I want you to stand up. If you have a business, would you stand up? If you have a family, would you stand up? <laughs> We all have spheres of influence, and God wants to use us, and he has chosen us to be those voices, to be his hand extended, to be those instruments that literally release the goodness of God in our spheres of influence. I just love messages like that. And In fact, I'm going to be teaching this weekend at a, a church with Mark And that same scriptures in Luke 10 is a part of my teaching. And isn't it so powerful because all of us can bring peace, right? All of us can be a part of meeting people's needs. All of us can be a part of fellowship, fellowshipping with others and loving people. And then once we've built And those are the, you use my words, once we build relational equity, isn't it true when we hang around each other, we build relational equity. It's like, I love this person, isn't that right? And the more relational equity, the more trust is built, and when trust is built, you can communicate the reason of your hope. In my life, I've led more to the Lord through my consulting company than I have as a pastor in this church. How did that happen? Is you just go and you love people. You don't get on the different political divides. You don't get in all this division and criticism and judgment and all this crazy stuff. No, you just love people like Jesus loved us. And while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Oh, if you would have known me then. <laughs> But Jesus paid a price for me when I was not worthy. He paid the price. And guess what? I'm going to love people. I don't care where they're at. And every one of us have the opportunity. If you're standing up, guess what? That means you have a sphere of influence to love people. It's really not a difficult thing. So, Father, I just bless each one now. I thank you for that vision and that hope and that dream and that desire rising up inside of them. Lord, nothing is impossible uh, in you. And so, Father, I bless them now, and I just thank you for the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God being established in them, but also moving through them in Jesus' name. Now, at this time, could I have the healing and prayer team come up?